Welcome to Path to Alignment with Hunger Yogi. My name is Natalie, your host. I'm a trauma-informed life alignment and mindset coach, yoga instructor, and entrepreneur, and I'm here to help you create more alignment in your life. Set up a free 30-minute alignment call with me to learn how to overcome trauma and unlock your fullest potential. And without further ado, let's get aligned. Hello, Path to Alignment fam. I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you. This week, I have an awesome guest named Amanda Kuda. I actually found Amanda through my Instagram and I was so intrigued by her content. So I reached out to her and I was able to get her on the show. So excited. Amanda is a life coach for sober, curious, and alcohol-free women. And she's supported hundreds of high-achieving women in breaking up with alcohol to break through to their highest potential. She's also an author and the host of a really cool podcast called Unbottled Potential. Amanda spent over a decade as a party girl before she realized that alcohol was no longer serving her highest purpose, and she shares her journey with us on this episode. I really resonated with Amanda's message because I personally myself have been on a sober to semi-sober journey for the past eight or so years. And if you know me personally, or if you've heard a few of my episodes, you know that I'm very passionate about the way that letting go of alcohol can really help us to elevate our lives and the way that it's really a huge act of self-love to let go of a habit that's really normalized, but that we all really consciously know and subconsciously know that isn't for our highest good. So if you're sober curious, if you are sober or If you are not even sober curious at all, this is just a really awesome episode to allow you to see through a different lens of what your life could look like or be like on a sober journey. So let's welcome Amanda onto the show and let's get aligned. So hello, Amanda. Hi. How are you today? Oh, I am great. I am just it's a sunny beautiful day i have a lot of creative time today so i'm excited to have a conversation i love it thank you so much for being on the podcast i'm so excited to have you i've been thinking about this episode for the past week and just how excited i am for it so really appreciate you awesome yes so tell us about yourself who is amanda Well, on paper, I am a coach and a podcaster, a content creator, an author, and professionally, I work with high achieving, typically women, but sometimes men, um, who are on a spiritual path and are on a path to find their potential. And they sense that alcohol is holding them back. Even though they don't identify with the word alcoholic or addiction, they know that alcohol is no longer serving them in their lives. And even though they don't have a physical um, addiction necessarily, there's also the stigma in our society about giving up alcohol and it can be a really difficult thing to do. And so they know they want some support in doing that. And so I built a business over the past five years in supporting them through one-on-one coaching and courses and content. And, um, naturally this was, well, not naturally, but, um, if it's not obvious, this is not what I was intending to do with my life. It is something that presented itself as a passion and as a purpose, um, about five or six years. Well, I would say six years ago when I made the decision myself to stop drinking as Mm -hmm. a means of personal development and discovery. And, you know, six years ago I was in my early thirties and the, the conversation about sobriety was very, very different than it Mm -hmm. is today. It was still very bleak, very dark, very, um, kind of in the, in the lineage of 12 steps, AA recovery. And while I think that's an amazing, very, very necessary path, it didn't resonate with me. Mm. Um, six years ago, I was, um, coming out of my, 20s in my kind of like party girl phase. I call it my Carrie Broad, my Carrie Bradshaw phase. (laughs) And I was, you know, a young, successful, outgoing woman who was partying on the weekends. And that stopped 
feeling like what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, around that time I had started on my spiritual development journey and uh, I was also in the midst of my Saturn return, which many of your, Mm -hmm. you know, your listeners might be familiar with that process. So Mm -hmm. I really kind of felt like I was in this upheaval in this transition. And even though I didn't really want to quit drinking, my soul kept telling me, Amanda, Mm -hmm. you would be so much better off if you ditched this habit, there's something under it that is really important for you to discover. And even though I was hesitant, that voice was so persistent and felt so nourishing and true that I decided finally, even though I couldn't find a coach or a mentor or a program or a book or anything that really talked about giving up alcohol in the way that I wanted to hear about it, I felt it was really important to do that. And so Um, Through doing that and through kind of showing up accidentally on the internet to talk about it and having people resonate with it, (laughs) I started to form a presence and a career out of it. So here Mm. I am six years later, um, haven't had a drink since January 2017. And now my entire business is built around this philosophy and idea and lifestyle. Oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yesterday I was. I was listening to your podcast and just like looking at all of your stuff. And I'm like, what a niche to have. Mm-hmm. What oh, a yeah. niche, like what a yes. beautiful niche. And, you know, for the past few years, I've been feeling really called to, to tell my family like, Hey, stop drinking or reduce it. Like, I know it's going to make you feel better. My dad has rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm mm-hmm. always like telling him, don't just don't have that drink and you'll feel better. And he knows it. Right. But there's something in the, in the programming of, of people that doesn't allow them almost to let go of it. It's it's such mm-hmm. a habit. It's almost like drinking water, but it's it's so normalized. So oh, totally. Is, thank you for your, the work that you're doing because it's beautiful, and it's something that, like you said, people are very attached to the whole. Um, why are you sober? Is it because you were an alcoholic, or mm-hmm. or? But it's like no, actually, I just don't really enjoy drinking like I used to, or it doesn't really suit my lifestyle. It doesn't serve my highest purpose, and yes, it's as simple as that. But people look at you so weird whenever you say you don't drink. <laughs> yeah, and it's becoming easier. You know, I live. I know that you live just down the road in Houston, but I live yeah. in Austin, and mm-hmm. it's become a pretty normalized conversation in Austin. Mm-hmm. Although, right. depending upon the group you hang out with, I was just talking right. to a friend at the gym the other day, mm-hmm. and she didn't actually know. She's just a gym friend, so we don't, um, you know, cross paths in a lot of other ways. But she didn't know, you know, what I do for a career, and she said, mm-hmm. you know, I've decided to move. Um, from Austin back home to San Diego, because I just feel like I don't want to drink anymore. And everyone here parties. Ooh. And I thought, you know, that's really interesting because that was me six years ago. I had thought that because my perception mm-hmm. was so limited to everyone around me drinks that I didn't mm-hmm. have permission. I literally thought I did not have permission to quit drinking because I didn't have a problem. And that if I did quit drinking, I'd be a social outcast because Mm -hmm. my people and what I perceived to be all people, because that's Mm -hmm. all I could see, drank alcohol. Right. And once I just took that brave step to say, you know what, I'm just going to give this a try. What happened Mm -hmm. is that my perception widened out. And no longer was it just everyone drinks. It was, oh, there's actually people here that don't drink and really appreciate this lifestyle. But I was just unable to see it. It's like I was blind to it before because I was too scared and like huddled in my my own little um, world in my microcosm to realize that not drinking was even a possibility. So what I really intend to do with my work is be kind of a permission slip to people who need to hear that they can Mm -hmm. just quit drinking because they feel called to it, not because they have a problem or, or any of those things, which are Mm -hmm. also valid reasons, but um, really being that permission slip for this new emerging age of people who are awakening to their desires and their potential and their spiritual Mm -hmm. connection. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about how, like basically leaving the place that you're in to a different city, different country, Mm isn't really going to change much because it's, it's you that needs to change. It's not the the environment. And that comes with you making the choice of I'm, I'm choosing to not drink anymore. I'm choosing to reduce my alcohol intake. And then suddenly you're going to want to naturally do things that don't require you going to the bar, mm-hmm. things like going to a yoga class, things like going to the park. And then from that, then you start to meet people that are kind of doing the same things. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it happens thinking, really magically. Yeah, totally. But you know, I'm thinking about when I when I was in high school. So I I'll tell you a little bit about me and like yeah. my journey with alcohol, right? 
So I'm from Colombia, from South America, and we mm -hmm. moved to the U.S. when I was eight. Okay. And then we moved every single year, basically, after that, because my dad worked for an oil company. When I was 15, we moved to Canada. And it went. we went from, where were we at the time? I think Abilene, Texas, to Canada, right? So it was oh, a wow. really Stark big contrast. Space. I was like, whoa, total culture shock. Abilene was very conservative, very like, yeah, it was, just, it was just very conservative. We moved to Canada and it was like this wild place. Uh, it was a really tiny town in the middle of nowhere. And everyone was like 15 years old, drinking at school, getting high in the parking lot. So my first day of school, I'm like, oh my, what am I doing? This is so different. This like whatever the popular kids were in Abilene is not what the popular kids are here. They're the ones here that nobody talks to. And I'm like, what is this? So huge shock, right? Wow. And the first day of school, I meet a group of girls. They seem like the cool girls. So, you know, when you're like 15, you just want to like be cool or seen mm -hmm. or accepted. And they invite me to have lunch with them outside. So we go sit outside and it's a big circle of girls and they're passing around a joint. So we're 15, passing around this joint. I had never smoked weed before. And I'm like, oh my God. So I, I do it. Right. And then from that day, my life was like completely changed. I, I was smoking every day at school. I was drinking every weekend because that's all that there was to do, or that's what my mm -hmm. my perception showed me is that that was, yeah. was all there was yeah. to do. And it was so normalized that we would go buy giant bottles of tequila or I don't know, all sorts of crazy bottles of alcohol and drink the whole bottle by ourselves, like as we went out partying to house mm -hmm. parties. So that was kind of my background with that. And it was just because I was so unhappy. I was so confused of like, mm -hmm. what? Am, this is so different. I don't know how to be accepted here. This seems like what everybody does. So I'm just going to do this. So as a young kid, that's a lot. And mm -hmm. it actually took me getting uh, suspended from school, like caught mm -hmm. by the cops, drinking and smoking outside of school, getting suspended. My parents like telling me they were going to drug test me and all sorts of things for me to kind of start slowing down, but I was still doing it. Then we moved again. So after high school ended, we moved to a different place, completely away from all of those friendships. Mm -hmm. And then I met a friend that was a bodybuilder and she got me into bodybuilding and then I stopped drinking. It was, but it was that shift. It, it did help me to leave the place. I think maybe yeah. younger is just like changing the friendships and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really awesome. And it's so interesting how, you know, you can do such a, a drastic 180 from like your peers in this place in Canada, we're partiers. And so because we want so badly to fit in, I think most people mm -hmm. have that story where, you know, most of the women who I work with, they're overachievers, they're go-getters, they're in incredibly intelligent, yet there was this sense at some point in their life that they didn't fit in and they needed mm. to take on this action, this activity, this persona right. in order to fit in. But then when you shifted locations and now you're in this place where your community is bodybuilders, like you cannot bodybuild and keep mm -hmm. that lean body and work out and, no. and do the caloric, you know, regulation that you need to do. Mm -hmm. If you're drinking, it's absolutely not an option. And right. so it's interesting. It, I actually do think that, you know, shifting groups of friends or shifting who you're with or where you've moved to can be really helpful. That's, you know, part of, mm -hmm. you know, we were discussing my friend at the gym and how she had made this decision. Well, I'll tell you what, my decision wasn't much different. I moved yeah. to Texas eight, seven or eight years ago. And part of my move was I want a fresh start. I want to, mm -hmm. I want a clean slate. I don't want to be this person who I've been before. I'm tired of this, like, see and be seen superficial mm. crowd that I kind of had fallen into. And I really want to have a more intentional grounded community that's focused on wellness and, you know, all of these things. And yet I didn't know how to find that community because mm. all I knew is how to party. Right. And so initially yeah. when I moved to Austin, I fell right back into that same crew. And it only took me about a year to realize like, oh, this isn't, this is exactly where I was before. It's not what I wanted. Mm. And there's this this really great quote, wherever you go, there you'll be. And mm. because I had not quite yet done the work to be that spiritual, right. you know, centered wellness person, I was kind of like pantomiming it. So I was pretending I was doing the steps, but I wasn't it inside. Right. And it took a little bit of courage and bravery to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to become that I'm mm. going to stop doing this activity. That's keeping me stuck in this one place. And you know, I think it was easier for me though, because I didn't have a lot of, um, 
history with that, the friend group. And I'm still friends Mm -hmm. with some of them today, the friends that I originally had when I moved to Austin, but there is something to be said about being able to have that fresh start. So you move and, and start in with a new friend group. And that's really miraculous that you were able to, you know, happen upon this woman who had such a drastic lifestyle and that you enjoyed it enough that you were willing to like step into that path. Yeah. No, I I just remember how good it felt. I was like, gosh, Mm -hmm. I feel good for the first time in my life. I'm exercising. I had never really Mm -hmm. worked out much before. I'm not drinking alcohol. And it was this commitment of like, I'm not going to drink. So I had the, I had the commitment and I, and you know, I reflect back on like, was I an alcoholic? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so because it, it took me just leaving and then I wasn't like craving it. I wasn't mm-hmm, craving mm-hmm. to drink. I think it was just the environment I was in and it became a, more like a habit than anything. It was like a habit, but not something that I wasn't able to let go of if I really wanted to. Yeah. 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 I think that's really smart. You know, I think that whatever, I think there's part, there's times in my journey where being able to identify as an alcoholic might've made it easier early mm. on because I would have had a group and a place and right. a structure to stick to. But I think the really important thing is that, you know, you don't have to label yourself when mm-hmm. you, when you make a lifestyle change, but, um, you know, I call myself sometimes alcohol free. I say I'm a non-drinker. I say I don't drink, but I yeah. never say that I, I never really say that I'm sober or in recovery because there mm-hmm. are some stigmas to those words. And I think it's, um, it's really important to remember that whatever resonates most with you, if you, you know, find a path to wellness that is, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something really like crazy and out there where you just eat Oreos that obviously wouldn't work by the way. But if that is the path that works for you yeah. and then, then go down that path. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that whatever it is that resonates with you or speaks the most to you, if it's, you know, a recovery program or a fitness program mm-hmm. or calling yourself A, B or C mm-hmm. that, that that's important really just to figure out, Hey, what, what feels the best in my soul right Right. now and following, following that intuition that's within Mm. you. Mm. I love that. So, so I'm, I'm a coach as well. Right. And Mm -hmm. I challenge all of my clients to let go of alcohol and I, I leave it up to them. I say, look, Mm -hmm. if this resonates with you, I'm going to just throw this out there for you to let go of alcohol during the time that we're working together. And they all take on the challenge. They're like, actually, yes, I've been feeling this calling and Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're, you're pushing me to do this now. And I think that's what creates the biggest shift in all of them because Mm -hmm. they're, they're taking something out of their life that is a regular thing. Mm -hmm. And now they're having to see, Oh, when I let go of alcohol, these friendships kind of stop asking me to hang out. When Mm -hmm. I let go of alcohol, my partner and I don't really have anything to connect with anymore. When I let go of alcohol, I don't really want to go to the bar. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, yeah. It, one of the biggest fr- foundational transformation tools there are. And I, that's so awesome that you're suggesting that to your clients yeah. and that they're, they're picking up the suggestion because yeah. I, you know, you can put so many things in place. You can put so many practices, um, you know, restrictions, whatever into your life to help you become better. But at the end of the day, um, there's this great quote by James clear who wrote atomic habits, Mm -hmm. um, that he says the ultimate form of optimization is elimination. Nothing is more effective than removing the ineffective. Mm -hmm. So to me, that says you can add in all the positive habits you want in your life. But if you have one really, really destructive, negative habit that negates all of them. You're just basically two steps forward, two steps back. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't want to acknowledge or see it could be as simple as, wow, there's this socially acceptable habit that I have. Maybe I even do it very rarely and irregularly. But the fact of the matter is that alcohol changes you on a cellular level. It has you, Mm. it has you selecting into different habits and different thought patterns and different ways of behaving and thinking and responding emotionally. And if you can remove that, not only do you start to like reorganize the way that you think and process in your body, you start to reorganize the way you behave. So mm-hmm. if you have some really big goals in your career, in your relationship, in your life that you want to achieve, you know, whatever it is you, you've been putting in place, maybe to optimize and make your life mm-hmm. better. It's actually to remove something that is mm-hmm. distracting you from all of that. And in most cases, the big Oh, you're freezing a little bit. Amanda, I've lost you. 
Hello. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Oh man. There we go. Ah. Ah. What happened? I don't know. Like you froze up and then it timed out. Hopefully yeah. it's still recorded over all of that. I yeah, it, it says it's still recording, but I was okay, like, cool. oh, Amanda, I lost you. Oh no. Okay. Well, where do you think you lost me? And we can start oh, back there. It was so juicy. Um mm. Gosh, where did I lose you? It froze a few times. So then I was like, oh, uh, you want to just pick up wherever? Yeah, wherever let's, <laughs> let's assume that the, the internet gods got all of that. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think the last thing that I said, you know, was that basically you can add in all of the positive habits that you want. And that's great. That's amazing. Mm. Change your life. But the biggest way in which you can transform anything in your life is to remove the thing that's weighing you down. And for mm -hmm. most people who are consistently drinking alcohol, if even at a small amount, one of the biggest detractors from their success is drinking because of mm -hmm. the way it changes mm -hmm. your ability to think and to process and to achieve. And so often we underestimate what a weight it has in our lives until we take it out. Because then once you actually feel resilient and you feel cognitively like with it and emotionally right. with it and physically with it, you can't go back to the way that it was before mm. it. I mean, you can, but most people who do, who report back that, wow, I wish I would have just stayed the course right. and you right. will, you will start to feel differently and you'll start to feel unstoppable. And that's mm -hmm. pretty freaking powerful. And what you said right there about that, you could go back to that path, maybe from how you were drinking before. But I feel like your your subconscious mind is now programmed, reprogrammed to not drink. Mm -hmm. And it knows now, like, for example, at the times that I have drink, it's like my mind starts telling me, like, you should probably stop there. This doesn't feel very good, actually. Actually, mm -hmm. yeah, you're kind of not remembering what's happening. Or like, my mind is now like, oh, aware of what's actually occurring inside of me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's this like dissonance. Once you, once you feel what it feels like to feel good. Um, you have to have a pretty strong desire to self-destruct for you to go mm -hmm. back to feeling mediocre again. Mm -hmm. And if I look at the comparison to how I feel now, to how I felt as a drinker, I thought I felt pretty good. I thought I was kicking ass. I was fit. I, you know, I was getting up and doing things, but a lot of times I was like willpowering my way through the day. Mm -hmm. And That when I look back and have actually basis of comparison of, oh, now I know what it feels like to truly feel good and feel capable and strong and inspired. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to that other way. And mm -hmm. I will say though, that there's plenty of people who I've worked with that have romanticized the relationship with alcohol and tried to go back. And never, ever have I had someone say, yeah, it's as good as I remember it. They yeah. always say, man, I... I wish I would not have broken my streak because it is harder to stop and start and stop again than mm -hmm. it is to stop drinking and stay stopped. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I really hope that like your clients feel that too, because yeah, it's great that they stop for the time that they're working with you yeah. and that really helps propel them forward, but they're going to keep that, that upward trajectory if they keep going. And mm -hmm. so often it is really tempting to go back. Um, back to the old way or try to moderate. And I think it's so beautiful when people stay the course because yeah. you just keep that momentum and you keep going upward and upward and upward. Definitely. Yeah. Now, what would you say to someone that's like, well, what if I just drink every now and then? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say this a lot because <laughs> it's a huge point. Yo, I was saying that to myself. I was like, maybe I can just become one of those, like every now and again, mm -hmm. just a glass of wine on the weekends. Like we really glamorize that, you know, mm -hmm. ability to keep this thing in our lives. Yeah. And I, you know, from a body, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. Let me give you that caveat. I really like to speak in layman's terms, mm -hmm. but from a scientific perspective, um, there was a study recently released that I read like, a um, this aggregate study from it that, um, the amount of alcohol, which you can drink before it starts to affect you on 
all levels of your body. Like it's Mm -hmm. a toxin. So it affects all of your vital organs. The amount you can drink before it starts to affect your body is two tablespoons. So that's barely anything. So unless you're literally (laughs) pouring out two tablespoons of wine and you're like, I'm just going to stop at that. And in which case, what's the point? Yeah. Um, you are, your body starts to reorganize and it starts to prioritize alcohol, which means Mm. it can no longer prioritize the things that it needs to do. Mm. And yes, while drinking a little bit less is better, you know, I'm never going to tell you don't, Mm. don't even try it. What's, what's the point while that is better than, you know, binge drinking or drinking all the time or drinking consistently, if you really want to see the effects of what your, how your body operates, how your body, your mind, your spirit operate without alcohol, mm. I, I would encourage you to take a non-negotiable 90 day break and then see how it feels from there. But mm-hmm. also just keeping in mind that after two tablespoons, your body starts to react to it and it stops, wow. stops everything that it has to do at full capacity and starts to direct its attention to the alcohol because mm. it's saying your body's saying poison, poison, we got to get this out of here. Right. And so it's, it's just really important to know that if you're on a health Mm. and wellness journey, that, um, the amount in which you drink, if you're drinking less would be very little. Yeah. You know, something that created a, an amazing representation for me of what alcohol does to our bodies was that my yoga teacher, she lives in Mexico and she was telling me about this potion that she made to like heal wounds. Or if she has something that hurts in her body, she'll put it on her body. Mm -hmm. And it's basically marijuana. She puts it in a bottle Okay. Um, I think it's the, the stem of the marijuana and then she'll put just pure alcohol in there. Right. Uh-huh. And the alcohol will pull out all of the life basically from the marijuana, all of the benefits, all of the nutrients, whatever's in there. To yeah. Heal you. Okay. And that's the, the potion that she uses to put on herself. And then she explained to me, yeah, that's essentially what alcohol is doing to you. It's pulling out all of your spirits. That's why it's called spirits. It's pulling mm-hmm. your spirit out. Everything that's that's um really good about you. It's kind of like depleting it. And that's why you feel so shitty the next day you wake up and it's like, gosh, I feel like a drained marijuana stem. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great analogy. It's used, you know, to, it it just extracts your life force. Mm -hmm. And even though you can still be successful as a drinker, spiritual Mm -hmm. as a drinker Mm -hmm. in a relationship as a drinker, if you do not feel like you are quite at the level that you want to be in any area of your life, I can promise you with a lot of certainty that if you ditch alcohol and really focus intentionally Mm -hmm. on improving those things, that your chances of being tremendously successful in any area of your life are very, very high. Totally agree. I totally Mm -hmm. agree. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect. I do have a glass of wine every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's some, so it's interesting because I think I'm a big foodie. That's why I call mm-hmm. myself the hungry yogi. I love yoga yes. and I love food. So I love pairing food with with wine. Like, And mm-hmm. I won't even drink the whole glass. Sometimes it'll just be for the flavor of it. Mm-hmm. But had I not known that wine existed or anything, I probably would be pairing my food with like something else that would yeah. bring out the flavors in the food. So I think it's still part of the programming of that the food is going to taste better with the wine. Um, but yeah, what do you think of that? That one is probably the hardest one because here's, here's the problem too. There have been, you know, cultures and cultures for ages that have, you know, paired food and wine. And it's been this very, um, I want to say like wholesome experience where it's not overdone and it is done in moderation. Now, again, that's still not great for your body, but Mm -hmm. had we not gotten to the point where this was an excessive thing and it just tended to be excessive, which it is in American culture and in many cultures, I think that maybe there would be a different, different conversation having, but because we have really, um, sullied that image of what alcohol is, um, and changed it from how some cultures have had it in the past, Mm. I think that it's really difficult to go back and that any person who I've ever heard use that argument, they very, very rarely they're, they're not coming to me because they've mastered the art, right? They're coming to me because they fantasize about having this like foodie lifestyle where it's Mm. just a tiny bit with, um, with their food or to accentuate the taste or when they're, you know, um, having these specific experiences. And because we've, we've just romanticized this relationship with alcohol in Mm. our society. So, 
um, and really like bastardized it, I guess, mm-hmm. is even a better, a better term that it's, it's really difficult to go back. And I also think that, you know, in American culture for better or for worse, regardless the, the root of wine, you know, mm-hmm. wine specifically is alcohol and alcohol yeah. is a carcinogen. Mm-hmm. However, our production process in the U S probably isn't as pure as in other places. So I think that, you know, in other countries that there's, if I would have been brought up in Italy, then mm. I maybe would have a different perspective, but I wasn't, yeah. I was brought up in America where it's like party hard and right. get wasted and yeah. you don't, you know, it's, that's just what it is. So yeah. that's probably one of the hardest arguments I have to combat with people who mm-hmm. are trying to, and it's usually people trying to talk themselves into continuing a relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to convince or persuade someone that's not interested in the path. Right. That's not right. my job or my work. So, um, you know, I wouldn't just like sit outside the, the <laughs> wine tour in Napa and be like, you're killing yourself. It's a carcinogen. <laughs> Those people don't want to hear it. And, and that's not, I don't have energy for that. And that's Definitely. not the right exchange. Yeah. But when someone is coming to me saying, well, I really want to do this, but what mm. about this beautiful experience that I have? I'm like, well, is that, one experience every mm-hmm. now and again worth all of the pretty rampant times that you're having not great relationships with alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's no different than if you told me that like your partner was abusing you and, but sometimes they're really, really great. Oh, and sometimes oh. it's okay. Oh my right. God. It It's just like you, you know, and, and God bless anyone who's been in that experience. Mm. I know many people who have, but if you are my friend and you're telling me that your partner is abusive a lot of the times, but sometimes they're really great. I'd mm. say, well, sorry. The answer for me is it's a no, mm. they got to go. And I think that with alcohol, because it's not a person we, we, well, and even when it is a person mm. quite often, we are afraid to make the change because what will it mean for us? What will we lose? Will mm. we be unlovable? Will we be, mm. And and that really comes is the root of it as well. Like, will we be unlovable if we quit yeah. drinking alcohol? Will people unfriend us or disown right. us? And it's no different than in an abusive relationship where we fear that we'll be unlovable or, or, um, you know, cast out. Right. Like abandoned or anything. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, a really big topic right there of, of feeling like you're going to lose something if you let go of this thing, but gosh, what you said about how it, it like, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad or most of the time it's bad for you. And then just every now and then it feels good. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it brings me to this reflection I was having last night about how drinking is kind of like you're playing. Um, What's it called? What's a game that's like every now and then, like a casino game or something? Uh-huh, right? like like Russian, it's, it's, well, I was going to say Russian roulette, but that's Russian a very roulette. dangerous that game, one, but like roulette, period. Russian roulette or just r- roulette. Yes. And it's like most of the time when you do get really drunk, it's not a good time. Like you, mm-hmm. it, it ends up being someone's crying, someone's arguing, you feel like crap. There's maybe one out of like 20 times that it's like, oh, that was a really fun night. I hit like I hit a sweet spot and it was just uh-huh. right. But that's like for someone to hit just the right spot, right? Quote unquote, mm-hmm. right spot where they don't feel too messed up, where they're still kind of aware it's very rare. It takes one more drink to take you over the edge into the next mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So, but it's, it comes down to self-love at the end yeah. of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if yes. you love yourself, it's you you start to learn more. What is, what does love mean? It, mm-hmm. Love means that I'm not abusing myself. Love means mm-hmm. that I'm respecting my body and honoring all, all that it does for me. And I'm not wasting it every single night to the point that it's not even going to serve me anymore. Yes. Oh, preach. I like, that's so important. And, you know, I would also say for the other person who is listening, who maybe is at the other end of the spectrum where Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, it's great. And then there's this one bender where they just become not themselves, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde scenario. Mm -hmm. I would ask, is that worth it too? Like those, those big blowout nights where you lose Mm -hmm. yourself um, that's, that's not any better and mm-hmm. not that alcohol is bad or wrong. You are not bad or wrong. If you drink, or you have one of those nights where you become not yourself and you kind of morph into this, mm-hmm. you know, not best self version that's we've all been there. We've all done it. And at the end of the day, I have to ask, who do I want to be in this world? And mm-hmm. what is going to give me the best probability of being that person most of the time. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was not, um, 
not numbing myself and not changing myself. And Mm -hmm. that was a scary decision to make, to step out of that culture, step out of that lifestyle and that persona I built for myself. But ultimately I knew that I wanted to be my best self most of the time, all of the time. And my best chance at doing that was Mm -hmm. not drinking alcohol. And it's Mm -hmm. been a really, for me, it's been a really beautiful path. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like for you, most of the time, it's been a very productive and beautiful path. And I will say for coaching hundreds of women for the last five years that all of them will iterate. Sometimes I don't know who I am because I've been so wrapped up in this identity, but I know Mm -hmm. that who I'm becoming is way better than who I was as a drinker. And that's pretty freaking powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. So I want to ask you, I know you said that you still are friends with people that you used to be friends with when you were kind of partying and stuff. Mm-hmm. But did you feel like once you stopped drinking, those friendships started kind of fading away a little bit? Or what do you think? Totally. So some really interesting things happened. Like those I saw that if I was willing to stand in my integrity, that many of those friendships were willing to, um, willing to accommodate me. So I will say that I had a, the people who I was friends with at that time were really great people because they didn't tease me or peer pressure me. They were very accommodating, even Mm. if it was maybe a little triggering to them that I was not drinking, they were really accommodating. So they'd always, you know, make sure that I had something to drink or, you know, like Mm. sparkling water or whatever. They also were really supportive. So even though they didn't change their lifestyle, they were really encouraging. Mm-hmm. And then there was these other tiers of friends who they were inspired by mm. my change and it was the encouragement they needed. And then there was also this other space where I started just to get introduced to and connected with new types of friends who mm-hmm. organically wanted to live the same life. So I had kind of all these wild moving pieces happening where relationships were transforming. Some of them were fading away because they mm-hmm. just weren't congruent anymore. And I will say it all happened rather organically because I just, that's what I put my intention towards. I didn't want to have these big, you know, I think we all fear like we're going to have this big, like blowout fight, or we're going to have to have mm-hmm. a little literal breakup with one of our friends. Right. And I really put my intention behind, I want this to be smooth and effortless and feel just like this is what it's supposed to be. And so, yeah, things just started to kind of fade away and shift and change forms. And I think that's what many people can expect if you release the, you, like your grip on, oh, this is going to be so hard. People are going to hate me or make fun of me or peer mm. pressure me. And not that that won't happen. Um, there, there definitely might be people who peer pressure you. But I, I think that for me, it was just because I was so intentional about focusing on possibility over pain Mm. that I attracted possibility into my life. Totally, totally. And you mentioned the word trigger that people, some people get triggered, right? Why is it that people get so triggered when another person doesn't drink when you're at a party and you're like the only one not drinking and people are like uncomfortable. It's like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Why aren't you drinking? Because we're, we're all mirrors, right? And so when you do something different from someone else that, you know, draws attention to you in some way, it reflects to them Mm. something uncomfortable, you know? And so maybe they have been secretly questioning their own drinking. And now that they see that you two used to do the same thing, and now you're choosing to do something Mm. different that like flares up in them, the possibility of, oh, should I be examining this in my life? If, if we drank the same before and now you're making a change, does that mean that I should be considering this too? And it really like holds, it just causes them to create some questions. And sometimes the best, when we, when we're questioning our own identity, Mm -hmm. the only thing that we know how to do, and the only thing that your friends might know how to do is push back. And so sometimes they, um, you know, that will be through something that doesn't, feel really great. Maybe they'll try Mm -hmm. to peer pressure you, or maybe they'll make fun of you. Or, um, sometimes they try one of the biggest ones I see though, is that they'll try to validate and justify their drinking. Um, when I tell people I don't drink, Oh, well, I don't drink that much, very much anymore. Anyway, I always get like this confession. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Fine. (laughs) Cool. Good for you. But it's almost always with the, the, um, like back undertone of, trying to say that out loud because they're trying to convince themselves they don't drink very much anymore. And it's really interesting, but you know, kind of, as I said, it's not my job to persuade anyone. My Mm -hmm. job is just to be 
um, a welcoming vessel and a permission yeah. slip that if they want to ask questions, um, if they've been curious and mm-hmm. they've never heard anyone doing this before, it's to offer that permission slip of, oh, hey, I made that decision and it turned mm-hmm. out okay. So mm-hmm. um, I never get up on my soapbox or do do any of those things unless someone really is asking me questions from a curious, like mm-hmm. not from a, they're trying to provoke me, um, but they're like, oh, wait. I need to hear whatever this gal has to say. That's, yeah. that's usually when I even find I need to talk about it is when, um, I feel that I have an opportunity to positively impact someone. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful. And coming from a place of not making them feel judged. Cause I think also whenever a person starts to like justify why they drink or, Oh, I only drink a few times a week or a few times a month. It's mm-hmm. maybe also because they feel like you might judge them. So they're yes. like trying to to make sure that you're not judging them. Mm-hmm. So but, much yeah. and so much. And they, so they don't judge themselves. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. It's, um, it's, it's so, so I, I don't know if fun is the word intriguing <laughs> yeah. to observe people's behaviors now yeah. from this perspective of, and, and thinking that, man, I probably did that too. I probably <laughs> justified and tried to like talk my way around how much I was drinking at some point. And, um, it's, there's zero judgment attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm here to share my lifestyle with anyone mm-hmm. who is interested, like truly interested and drawn to it. And everyone else, like, you're welcome to keep doing what you're doing. Totally. I, like, I, I think that it's a choice that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a choice that a lot of people are starting to get really curious about. And it's um, important to me that they have a, like a mentor or a role model to hear about it from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that you get to inspire them. You get to mm-hmm. be an, an inspiration to people I don't know if you, if you still party much, even though like you don't drink, do you still like, Oh girl, now I get tired by 7 PM. (laughs) I mean, I did at first in my first like five years, probably our first four years. Um, I still would, you know, go out and try to, you know, hang out and Mm -hmm. not, and just like go home early or not drink. But now I'm just like, no, that's, I, I love to get up early in the morning. So my priorities have shifted quite a bit and um, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm in my late thirties now, it's just, I have different priorities, mm-hmm. but I do really think because I've also watching other friends who are in these past friend groups, I think that if I would have kept drinking, I, I probably would have kept partying and I wouldn't mm, have, I totally. would still be living that life and feeling pretty ragged and exhausted from it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But no, not anymore. I'm too, I, I rarely, it's a special occasion. If I decide to like really go out and stay out late, yeah. I am a in bed early <laughs> reading a book type now, but I did that for a while and it yeah. did, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I, I like to say that I've mastered the art of partying sober. It's like, mm-hmm. I love, I, I actually still love not, not every, not the parties that I used to go to, not clubs that I used to go to. Now it's more mm-hmm. like, I like house music. So my, my partner is yes. a house music DJ. And so we're yeah. always out listening and how it's, it also depends on the vibration of the music is what I've noticed. The frequency mm-hmm. of vibration of the music you're listening to makes you want to do certain things. So yes. I've, I've put myself in places like when I go into a bar that's playing a lot of rap music or music that's more like a little bit more dark and, and energy uh-huh. and in frequency. I notice people are really getting drunk and just like hammering down and then all sorts of things. Right. Yeah. But then I put myself in like a house music environment and it's a little bit different. The, the vibe yeah, is a little, is bit, a little more... bit different. Like mm-hmm. uh, I agree. It, it yeah. really depends. And there are still things that, you know, I enjoy doing and I will go out and, and really put myself out there. Um, and those are, those are what things that I choose to do. Like I still go to concerts and really enjoy them, but I am really intentional about where I choose Mm -hmm. to go because one of the things I will throw in that probably will resonate with your audience as well is that I didn't realize how empathic and sensitive that I was Mm. until I stopped drinking because drinking really turned down the volume on some of my sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And so when I am in big crowds that have a pretty um, intense energy, especially Mm -hmm. if there's a lot of drinking or a lot of sound. I get exhausted really Mm -hmm. quickly. So, um, for example, if there's a lot of loud music, if I'm not really able to dip in and connect with people, if it's, um, so, you know, so loud and rowdy that that's all you're able to do is like, listen to the music. There's a lot of intense smells. If there's a ton of people, Mm -hmm. I, my tolerance for that is pretty limited. So I know that I have a window of, I can probably do this for X amount of time. 
before just energetically I'm tired. And it's just because now that I'm actually processing the sounds, the smells, the people, the, the energetics that my, my system just isn't built for that, Mm. you know, in, in such large quantities. So I have to be pretty intentional, but I've become pretty good at mastering it. So I just would um, encourage anyone who's, um, who does kind of feel like they um, are very empathic that sometimes Mm. those, those things can be overwhelming and you might just have what I like to call an energetic hangover from doing Mm. some of these big kind of rowdy, um, overstimulating activities. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean with energetic Mm -hmm. hangovers. Cause now that I don't really drink like, like at all, really, I find myself feeling like crap. If I go to a a bar, like I told you where the the music is Mm -hmm. low vibration, where there's a lot of like people and it's, everyone is really drunk and it's like it feels really draining and I get home and I'm like oh my god and I wake up in the morning and it's almost as if I drink yeah you feel you start to feel some of those symptoms it's really interesting um so it is a phenomenon it does happen and but sometimes it's worth it you know you have like a wedding or a concert that you wanted to go to and um, I, I still want to do those things. And so while I don't have a huge tolerance for party and I still like to have fun, I like to dance, I like music mm-hmm. and it's important that I don't become a recluse because I still like to be out yeah. there and have connection and fun. Definitely. And you know, there's something so cool that I've been seeing lately. I don't know if it's just because my algorithm on Instagram is now like no alcohol or anything. Like, so it just keeps showing me all these cool new drinks that are coming out that are like yes. alcohol-free wine or all these cool mm-hmm. ways that they're starting to implement no alcohol. I don't know. Is it just because I'm in this world now or is this actually like a a thing happening? This has just really become a thing. When I stopped drinking, there were no, it was like the, there was only like one non-alcoholic beer and it's the one it's called old duels. It's like what old men used to drink <laughs> when I was bartending and it doesn't taste great. Sorry, old duels. You'll probably never sponsor me. Um, <laughs> that's okay though. But, um, then within about, um, so I stopped drinking in 2017, I will say like right around the time the pandemic started 2019, 2020, all of these brands started to bring out these non-alcoholic beverages. So there were these really beautiful pre-mixed botanicals, like mm. pre-mixed drinks. Then we started getting non-alcoholic spirits, non-alcoholic beer, yeah. non-alcoholic wine. And they're actually really sophisticated drinks that wow. sometimes taste um, a lot like what they're trying to replicate, the non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beers, for example, and the wines. Or there's these like beautiful, beautifully crafted botanical drinks that don't taste like anything you've ever imagined, mm. but they have all of these um, different adaptogens and, right. and other benefits that are really cool. So you can kind of choose what if you want to have something that replicates something that you used to drink, or if you just want something kind of fancy and fun and you don't mm-hmm. have a flavor profile in mind, there's so many, yeah, really cool and amazing non-alcoholic beverages out there yeah. now. Yeah. It makes me so happy when I go to a restaurant and I see on the menu, non-alcoholic section, and it's like cool co- mocktails. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Thank you so much. Finally, I know. I love it. It's so fun to be able to have something that yeah. is just kind of like, um, just like adds a little flavor to your meal or your experience. Exactly. And even since I was little, when I was like nine years old, I would order virgin, virgin cocktails, right? Like a virgin uh-huh. because I wanted to be fancy. I liked the way it looked. I wanted to be cute. I mm-hmm. wanted to feel like an adult. So my, my dad and like my mom always make fun of me for that. They're always like, you yeah. love having your little mocktails when you were young and you still yes. do it now. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. I love it. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on the topic of, of, being a child actually with you. Cause mm-hmm. I had a really cool reflection. I don't know if, if you've heard me talk about it on a podcast episode or anything, but it's a reflection I had about why we drink. Like the reason that I feel that we drink, I was sitting at one of my partner's shows one night and I was just observing everyone, like just from a place of non-judgment. I was just looking at everyone like drinking and everyone had a bottle in hand and everyone was just like, as the night went on, everyone was getting more and more drunk. Mm-hmm. But as the night went on, everyone started being more and more like a child. It's like everyone uh-huh. started dancing more or the, the getting out of their shell, getting out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And it made me have this reflection that the reason we drink is because we want to be like children. Like we want to have that inner child, that play. And the alcohol kind of gives us a permission slip to do that without mm-hmm. feeling embarrassed that you're acting like a child, without feeling embarrassed that you're singing out loud or jumping around like a kid. And it made me look at people that drink 
to that extent with a lot of compassion because I was mm-hmm. like, wow, mm-hmm. people really just want to be kids again and they don't know how to do it. That's why yeah. we love going to Disney World or like we mm-hmm. love like things that make you reconnect back, eating little treats that you used to eat as a child. Like we always want to go back to the root, to the core of it. Yeah. So it was a really fun, fun thing to to notice and to just be like, hmm, this makes a lot of sense. So how can I help people reconnect back to their childhood without having to drink their way there? Yes, it was such a I think that's such a beautiful reflection and observation because we all are, you know, little children running around in adult suits and there, you know, there's the wounded child part of that. Mm -hmm. And then there's this beautiful, just inner child that wants to get out. And at some point we were told, no, you need to grow up. So those Mm -hmm. things that you like doing are wrong or they're bad or they're not productive, or maybe we got made fun of for dancing. And now we're afraid to dance unless we're, you know, we kind of can get out of our own head. And I think that that is, yeah, there's so much compassion to be had there for this story that we tell ourselves. Mm. And there's so much power that we could potentially harness if we chose to figure out how to not take the shortcut to get there. And that's where the real win is when you are brave enough and curious enough to decide, you know what, that, that I'm experiencing is not real bliss and wonder Mm -hmm. and freedom. I want to find a way to get there on my own. And Mm -hmm. it might be a little more difficult and a little more challenging, but that's where you actually grow is when you, you let yourself take the chance and you let yourself try. And I think that most of my most beautiful moments have been when I have decided to do the childlike thing without you know, something else to, yeah. to get me there. And yeah. it's, it's always been really, really powerful and empowering. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure in Austin, they have, I feel like there's a big spiritual community there and life coaches and, and a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they have some sort of conscious experience, nightlife or stuff like that. Uh, do you guys have anything like that? Yeah, or? there are, yeah. I mean, there, I thought that that was all Austin was. And it yeah. actually, I was a little ahead of the curve getting here before. <laughs> it's always been a very conscious, like spiritual community, but it's really just blossomed a lot over the past mm. five years. And yeah, there's so many activities that really don't involve drinking whatsoever. And mm. I've been to several events and several venues where alcohol isn't even served or it is, but it's kind of like an afterthought and people are yeah. barely drinking whatsoever. And that's a really, I I think I landed in a really cool place at a really Mm -hmm. cool time. And I, I didn't pick Austin. Austin picked me and it's just every day it's evolving as to why I ended up here. And, Mm -hmm. and I will say, even if you um, are not moving to Austin, um, you will thank you for not doing that because a lot of you are moving here, (laughs) but But there is that community wherever you are. I know your person or people are Mm -hmm. nearby. It's just that you've been blind to seeing them. You've closed off your ability to see where they're at. And I just want to keep that in mind because you might be saying, oh, well, Amanda, yeah, you have it so easy because you're in Austin. Everyone cool is there, but there are cool, conscious people everywhere. Yeah. It's just oh, sometimes yeah. they're harder to find. Definitely. And I'll tell you when, I don't know if when you think of Houston, you think of conscious community or consciousness. I don't know if that's what comes to someone's mind, but we have a really big conscious community here, like a huge yeah. community. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to to be a part of that. Um, We actually have like non-alcohol parties. Like we'll have yeah. like big parties at this really cool house that we have here, like a community home. And It'll say like on the flyer, no, no drinking permitted, like no drinking mm-hmm. allowed. So and rad. it's so awesome. It's so mm-hmm. awesome. And then I have a friend that just started a conscious nightlife event. So every few weeks, it'll be like a uh, breath work, yoga, ecstatic dance, cacao ceremony type of experience. So, so everyone just comes and it's just a really a, a safe place to be a child as an adult. I love that. So much yeah. fun. It's so yes, much fun. And- I would, you know, Austin is kind of the anomaly in Texas. And, you know, we would say that like Houston and Dallas are definitely more like big city CNB yeah. scene. Um, Houston, definitely more even like Southern, like religious, I guess, probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stigma. And it's just a testament to, right. yes, you can find those communities if you surround yourself with the right people and, and seek them out and just mm-hmm. kind of investigate a little bit. I always tell people, 
just find a yoga class, go to a yoga yes. class, you will find mm-hmm. someone there that will connect you to that. Or look on Instagram, hashtag yoga, hashtag cacao, hashtag mm-hmm. ecstatic dance in, in your city, and you'll find something there. Yep. But it just yep. it just takes looking for it. Because a lot of it isn't like every like, you're not going to see it, it's kind of hidden underneath the tunnels that you don't know mm-hmm. that's there. Yeah. yeah. And you will definitely encounter too, like, conscious communities like there's definitely like yoga and wine is a thing you know beer and running is a thing in places and so just keep drilling down just keep looking they are there ask questions um at the yoga studios or the crystal Mm -hmm. shop or the tea shop or wherever you go Mm -hmm. there if you investigate enough you will find people who are delighted at the you that you are becoming Mm -hmm. you just mentioned yoga and wine i i saw this thing the other day on instagram beer yoga mm-hmm. and oh, I yeah. literally I almost felt my blood boiling I was like why because I'm a yoga teacher and I'm like uh-huh. this is so disrespectful to yoga like yeah. the whole premises of yoga is to connect to your consciousness to your spirituality and now you're bringing beer into it and it just doesn't make any sense right yeah but we can make anything make sense if we uh-huh. want to and uh-huh. that's that is both the beauty and the Achilles heel of our culture and so yeah. it's just and let me tell you what I've been to beer and yoga. I've been to wine and yoga back in the day. And I, I was able to make it make perfect sense then. And now I'm like, Oh, wow. That does not make sense at all. Um, but it just depends upon what lens you're looking through as if something, um, is resonant to you. Yeah. A part of me is kind of like, okay, well, at least they're doing yoga. So maybe that'll introduce them to the world of yoga, even if they're drinking beer, at least they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, everyone needs like little nudges and little tidbits mm. and, um, you know, little places where we can be exposed to mm. this idea and thought and to a different ways of thinking. And, um, there will always be little memories that I have of like little whispers or little nudges I got along the way of, Oh, maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try this. And after I collected enough of those little nudges, I'm like, okay, I think there's something here. I'm like remembering all these moments where I'm hearing about this idea or this lifestyle. Mm. I'm going to pick it up and do something with it. Mm. Mm. I love it. I want to, I have a few questions here, but I just want to like ask you the most potent one. Before yeah. Let's up. rip on them. Let me see what we've got here. Mm. Okay. Okay. About alcohol and how it stunts your growth or disconnects mm-hmm. you from your spiritual journey essentially yeah oh that's, that's really important especially that. if you have yeah. other yogis who are listening yeah you know alcohol um i i posted actually this recently that alcohol stunts your growth in every area of your life and someone asked like do you have any like sources for this i'm like well mm-hmm. not necessarily it's just a like qualitative um analysis that i've mm-hmm. been doing over the past several years Um, but especially on a spiritual level, alcohol, you know, for those who are in a spiritual practice, you have these two inner guidance systems. And that one is the guidance system that's fueled by the ego. And that is typically of a negative focus. It's not the ego. That's like pride ego. It's the ego that is comparison, judgment, lack, fear. It's this kind of voice inside of us. That is a lot of our driving force, but it does so with fear as the Mm -hmm. undertone. And then there's an inner voice that is the voice of our higher self of love, of compassion, of possibility. Mm. And when we drink alcohol, what happens in a spiritual sense in a metaphysical sense is that we amplify the voice of the ego so that what we're hearing is you're not enough, or, um, you mm. should be afraid, or you should compare yourself to this person. And that's mm. not a great feeling. And we all know how, like, sometimes there, there can be a rush when we have judgment or comparison or whatever, but at the end of the day, it doesn't leave us feeling inspired or empowered. And then we also have this inner voice. that's like, there is so much possible for you. You are meant for more. You are meant for Mm -hmm. something amazing. You are such a beautiful individual. And we tend to like write that voice off as being, you know, just fluffy and not true, but it feels so much better when we can Mm -hmm. tap into that voice of intuition and truth and possibility. And that voice is muffled down by alcohol. It Mm -hmm. keeps that voice silent and small. And so that voice, that voice of possibility and potential and love and, and creation is also the voice that helps us connect to spirit, higher power, Mm -hmm. um, God, the universe, the infinite, the divine, whatever you might want to call it in your practice. 
And if we're constantly muffling that voice down, it's not that it's not that it disappears. It's just that the connection is really weak. Mm. And so if you're someone who is on a spiritual path and you're wondering why you're not able to quite feel into some of the things that you've read about, this is, you know, my story, I was reading all these spiritual books and I'm like, yeah, that sounds good, but why can't I feel it? Why don't I feel this sense of peace, this sense of intuitive guidance, this sense of everything's going to be all right. And it's because I was just diluting it. I was making it Mm -hmm. to where that voice couldn't really be heard amongst the noise of the very, very loud and powerful egoic messages. Mm -hmm. I was um, playing on a loop in my head. And when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden I was able to direct my attention away from those negative thought patterns and really much more towards those intentional, thoughtful Mm -hmm. things that we, um, that we relate to when we're in a yogic practice or in a spiritual practice. And that felt really good. Mm -hmm. And so again, not that alcohol is unspiritual. It just magnifies a voice Mm -hmm. that is very destructive and it, it, um, detracts from the voice of us that inside of us, that is love. And so if you're wanting to feel more love and connection and compassion and intention, another really fast route there is to eliminate alcohol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That resonates so much. Mm -hmm. It makes me think Mm -hmm. of all the times that I would get in, in a fight with partners that I was with, or would just start crying out of nowhere. It would be, because I was so drunk and all of those the ego thoughts were just coming in and telling me that I wasn't good enough, that my partner is with someone else. There's like all these random thoughts that start coming up Mm -hmm. that aren't really a higher power talking. It's, it's a, it's a lower power talking is like, yeah, it's like paranoia. Like a lot of times that isn't even reality. It's just like, we're making up stories that are painful because Mm -hmm. that is what's easiest to do in those situations. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah incredible Incredible, but very credible (laughs) (laughs) amanda is there anything else that you would like to share about anything anything that you'd like oh wow um (laughs) you know i think that i would just say if this resonated with you today or or created any sort of curiosity in you even if you're a little resistant to it i really really want to encourage you to take that challenge of if you're on a spiritual path if you're on a path of finding your potential personal development, living your best life, I would encourage you to take a a long intentional break from alcohol. Mm. 90 days um, Mm. is what, what I recommend starting with and just see, just see what happens. Just get curious and see what could be possible for you and go from there. It's not Mm. a forever decision. It's not quit today and never drink again. It's don't drink for 90 days and just see what happens. Yeah. Just like a a 90 day challenge, just like Mm -hmm. when we do a workout challenge or, Mm -hmm. and then also with that is Gosh, I could, I could open up, I could talk to you all day about this. I'm just like, it is. So, it's a topic that like oh really gosh. spirals into a lot of different things. It could be everything. Uh, I was going to say about how people can start, like if they go on like a 90 day break from alcohol, but then let's say that they have one day where they relapse or they have a few drinks and then all of a sudden it turns into like this binge, mm-hmm. kind of like when we go on a diet, right? And yep. then you have one bad meal and then you're like, Oh, well, I'll just start again on Monday. Let me yep. just go through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And get back on track. It's mm-hmm. I, everyone who I work with doesn't have a successful 90 day launch pad. Many of them have these little, I call them learning opportunities yeah. in the middle. And you can either choose to spiral and learn a very painful lesson, or you can choose totally. to stop and say, what happened here? Why did that happen? And get back on track and actually learn a very powerful lesson. So mm. the choice is yours. Um, there is no right or wrong path, but I think that you'll find some really interesting lessons if you choose to take this intentional 90 day break. Definitely. And I know you have, you know, you have your podcast Unbottled mm-hmm. Potential. Yeah. And then you also, I saw you have a membership package. I would love mm-hmm. for you to talk about that. Yeah, I have a membership package for, um, right now it's just for women, but it is for high-performing, spiritually curious and sober curious women who want a place to intentionally gather. Um, Right now we're gathering once a month and then there is an online community aspect where we're just continuing to learn. That way you always have this check-in of, hey, let me ground myself back in my desire Mm -hmm. and my potential and the possibility of who I'm becoming. And yeah, it's just an emerging um 
thing that I've created. And I'm really excited to see where, where it goes, because I think having, there's so many alcohol-free communities out there Mm -hmm. that are available. And I really wanted this one to be intentionally focused. So there wasn't a lot of the noise um, that you can get in like a Facebook group, let's say, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of just a hodgepodge of people. I want it to be very intentionally curated with women who are um, pursuing their highest potential in life. And that's really what my work is about. So if that resonates with you, um, I'd love for you to come check it out. Um, there's a ton of, um, freebies and everything to get started. If you're not one who wants to invest or join anything, um, initially, especially if this conversation resonated, Mm -hmm. I have a five day series called awakened without alcohol. That's absolutely free. And it kind of takes you through, um, a little bit more detail of what we talked about today that might Mm. really serve you. Oh, Yes. Oh, you are, you are killing it. I love this. Oh my gosh. This is my favorite thing to talk about. I just like, I love sharing this message so much. So I am so grateful to you for, um, you know, just opening up this conversation space for us so that we can share our experiences and be a mirror or a permission slip for someone, someone Mm -hmm. who needs to hear this today. And I'm just so grateful to you for the work that you're doing as well. Mm -hmm. So grateful for you. I have one final question that I ask everybody. What does alignment mean to you? Alignment means to make the brave choice to get off of an incongruent path that you've Mm -hmm. chosen because someone told you you should and getting on the path that you know that you're meant to be on in your soul. Mm. Oh my goodness. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you so thank much you for asking Amanda. it. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here today. Yes. Go follow Amanda on Instagram. I'll put all of your info in the description so everyone okay. can find you. And Amazing. I hope we can we can meet up again soon. I hope so too. I'll see you in Houston sometime. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs>